a zoetrope, a set of false teeth, three dog collars, two christening gowns, six tuning forks, a rabbit's foot, ten calendars, six lace handkerchiefs, a stuffed fox, thirteen doorknobs, a riding crop, a pestle, two glass swans, a porcelain duck, four soup tureens, fifty-one cans of tuna fish, five fishing rods, a tiara, three parasols, and a photograph believed to be of a ghost. Wednesday, the 23rd. For years, I've stayed in this chair in the sitting room, leaving her to deal with the collapse of the house, the danger it poses to all that we own. The house is both protector and destroyer, both safety and threat, and it is she who tips the scales, not me. It is her who braved the streets night after night to bring back food and water to gather all the things essential to our lives. I knew nothing of what she had to do, how she crept from one halo of lamplight to the next, hurrying on her way through the ruined city that was once our home. Tonight, the house buckled and shuddered, settled and shifted. I stumbled, but didn't fall down. I knew that if I did, I would never get up. I stopped and listened to the creaking of the floorboards, the scuttle of the mice. It's been a long time since my sister answered, and without light, there is no marker of time. I don't know if it's morning or night, if a few hours have passed or if it's already been days. I'm so tired and so alone, lost inside my own house. I don't have the will to move. I think about all the things she used to remind me to do because I cannot do for myself. Go to sleep when it's midnight. Wake up when it's time to eat another orange. I'm so tired and I should just stay in this chair. But I haven't heard from her in a while. And I don't know if she's still here. Friday, the 25th. To hell with reporters and their stories, their gossip of the money stashed under our many mattresses or stockpiled antique jewelry and expensive paintings. None of it is true, but reporters never worry about the truth. They worry only about how good the story is. So the articles run, and then they come running faster. The friends and neighbors, not the true long-standing ones, the long-forgotten ones. And then come the strangers. The first brick through the window was merely irritating. The second, more so, but by the third and the fourth, I've had enough and decided to board up all the windows. I have to go out tonight and scavenge like a homeless woman for wood. Last night, I couldn't sleep again until I thought about making booby traps. I'm going to rig trip wires and deadfalls, 
I dwell as of sharpened broomsticks behind newspaper columns. Pour loose piles of broken glass beneath weak floorboards. I thought of other traps, but I forget them now. Sometimes sitting in this chair for too long makes me like I could. I can't think of a word. I don't know a word. I'm, I'm tired of everything. I'm tired. I don't know what else to say or write or think. I don't know why I don't. Fifteen broken clocks, a Union Jack, six American flags, whole rooms filled with broken furniture and bundled lumber. In all, our accumulated possessions add up to over 150 tons of garbage, most of it unremarkable except for the advanced state of ruin and decay that permeate everything. The only thing memorable about any of it is that it has been kept secret for so long. Sunday, the 27th. Rooms like cells, floors like organs, and us two like what exactly? Pulses of electricity Nervous twitches like tiny sparks that one day might bring this place back to life. Somewhere, my sister is crying again. Wednesday, the 30th. There are newspapers in this house that date back from 1985, the year we locked ourselves in. There are more newspapers in the house than I expected. They are stacked and bundled in the kitchen, in the hall, covering the landings of staircases and fill closets and chests. I counted 39 phone books in the bathroom, one for each year from 1955 to 1985. Individually, they are just single pieces in a pile of junk, but as a collection, they are something else. Beale, Langley, Fitzgibbons, Wright. The names change. Something that doesn't happen all at once, but slowly, like the mixing of a blood transfusion. By the late 1970s, the names become frightening because they are both harder to pronounce and it is obvious the city has changed its colors. I also came across a calico cat. By the time I found him, the cockroaches had eaten his tail, and the mice were beginning to carry off the rest. Thursday, the 31st. Someone came in through the inventory of the house, through the listing of objects written down in a notebook I have as if they mean something to anyone else, as if they uncover the clues to who I am. Every day I fill one page and then another, and then another. What I've learned is that even a book can be a door if you hold it right. They did not climb the steps or knock on the door. They waited and watched, and when I came out, they followed behind me. They watched 
as I pretended skittishness in the streets. They followed me from backyard to alley to dumpster, lingered behind as I scavenged for food, pump-drawn water, and shiny objects to line my hallway. They watched me take each discarded prizes and clutch them to my chest, and when I was ready to return home, they followed me inside. I'm sure they do not bring death, but despite this assurance I cannot be saved. They will be here with me when I fall asleep, and after I'm gone, I am afraid that they will still be here. Friday the 8th. Today I ate nothing but oranges. I'm convinced the fruit will restore my sight. Every day I plan to eat a dozen oranges until my breath stinks of rind and pulp, until the undersides of my fingernails are crusted with the sticky leftovers of my meals. I believe my sight will be restored if I could manage to just eat 100 oranges a week, but I'm not sure if I can do it. It is too much of one thing, a deadening of my taste buds as complete as the eventual deadening of my irises, corneas, of my optic nerves which send useless signals down the rotted pathways of my all too useless brains. Hundreds of feet of rope, a baby carriage, rakes and shovels, three rusted bicycles, hundreds of forks, knives, spoons, and plates, including at least four complete sets of china and several potato peelers, a sawhorse, seven dressmaking dummies, several portraits of family members, strangers, and one of Queen Elizabeth II, a plaster bust of Elvis Presley, a kerosene stove placed precariously close to the wavering column of newspapers. Sunday, the 10th. A trap almost killed me in the second story hallway that leads from the staircase to the master bedroom. I was hurrying and I grew careless for just one moment, just long enough to forget the tripwire that released the trap that could have buried me beneath a man-made boulder of my own design. A netted mass of typewriters and sewing machines and bowling balls I hung from the ceiling months ago. As the boulder crashed towards me, I moved fast, almost escaping. Only my right leg was pinned and broken, but that's all it takes to doom you. I couldn't see behind me well enough to know how bad the wound really was, but even through the mold and mustiness I could smell the blood leaking from my body, soaking the already ruined runner in the hallway, and mixing with the carpet into a slick wet slime until it becomes impossible to tell which part of the mess was me and which was the house. Monday, the 11th, I reached out with my hands, stretched my fingers wide toward whatever awaited them, every inch a lifetime's worth of danger. This space is filled with tree branches, 
a bramble slick with rot and sticky with sap. I recoiled at the sound of movement nearby, insect or rodent or reptile, I didn't know which. And with my next step, I caught something beneath my foot, the snap of vertebrae or else carapace muffled by the sheer bulk of the room. I stopped for a moment to stamp the thing out, to be sure it was dead. Somewhere, my sister moaned in the stacks, and there was no reason for whatever creature beneath my heel to suffer the same. Wednesday, the 13th. When my father left us, he took everything with him. He took his medical books and his anatomical drawings and his specimen jars. He took his suits and his shoes and his hats. He took his golf clubs and his pipes and his records. And when he was gone, our mother scrubbed the house from top to bottom in her grief, removing every last particle of dust that might once have been him. He left her and she eradicated him. And for 20 years, he stayed out of the house. And then he returned, disguised as gynecological equipment and ornate furniture bundled in the back of a truck, as something that could be bound into chests and sacks and file folders. Now, the objects of him are boarded behind the doors of the second floor, and he will never escape, not as long as I live every stray hair still clinging to a shirt collar, every scrap of handwriting left in the margins of his texts, all of what was him, I keep safe, and it is all I'll ever need. Wednesday, the 13th, later. When our father died suddenly, all his possessions were ours spilling out of our rooms and into our halls, as if we knew what to do with the evidence of a lifetime, as if there was any way to sort the essential from the unnecessary, as if we could just throw away our father or sell him to strangers. And then, not long after our inheritance arrived, we started adding to the piles ourselves, my sister didn't understand, of course she didn't, but that didn't stop us because we knew that what we were doing could work, could solve the failure of our family, if only we gathered all the pieces. With enough raw materials, maybe we could build a better father, or else gather a mother up in our arms like all these heaps of porcelain knickknacks, design a family from things left behind, Replace birth with theft, life with hoarding, death with destruction. This house is a body, and my sister and I move within it. Sunday, the 16th. I crawled on my hands and knees, searched for signs of my sister whose voice was like a cricket's, always out of reach, coming from every direction at once. I was hungry and tired, 
and wanted to go back to my chair. My sister would do it for me. My sister had been doing it for me. On each of the thousands of days since, she fed me and clothed me and kept me company, kept me safe from the intruders. And now, on the day when she needed my help, I failed. My face is wet, but I don't know if the wetness is tears or sweat or something else, something dripping from the ceiling and the stacks. I don't think I'm crying, but it feels like I might start soon. Might start. Never stop. Whatever it is, I don't reach up to wipe it away. My hands are filthy, filthier than anything that might be there on my face. Eight pianos, a harpsichord, two organs, two banjos, three violins, only one of which had strings, a clarinet, an accordion, a gramophone in what appears to have once been an upright bass before it was smashed to pieces. When we were girls, my sister and I played music together, and later, after the lights went out, and we began to fight apart from each other, our only points of connection, the accidental melodies we made in the dark. Saturday, the 22nd. I am in the master bedroom, reading the letters we never sent. There is so much to see here, but only in fragments. Every step across the floorboards brings the house closer to collapse. And so, I move backward and forward in time, balancing the now and the then, until I have found whatever it is I'm looking for. I stopped being able to look myself in the mirror. Over the years, I've forgotten my face, the shape of the thing, the angle of my nose and the thickness of my lips and the scars or lack of scars that might distinguish it from another. I've forgotten what it feels like to see a brow furrow in pain, to see a mouth contort in frustration or anger. I have forgotten, but I'm trying to remember. Whatever my face is, floating in the dark, around my eyes, it is wet again. Monday, the 24th. I tripped over the bench in front of the piano in the kitchen. I decided to sit down and take a break, resting my fingers on the keys. My lungs ached and my ankles throbbed. I centered myself in front of the piano and started to play, then stopped when the sound came out wrong. I started over with more realistic expectations the piano is almost completely buried by the mounds of trash that fill the room, the heaps of paper and metal and wood, the objects breaking down again into their constituent parts. My fingers flickered over the keys, recalling the memory of music. The sound that came out of the piano was muffled and muted. It didn't fill the room, but burrowed through it instead, each note 
bellowed into the piled garbage and into the rotting walls like a nail, like a crowbar, like something meant to hold the thing together, like something meant to tear it down. Monday, the 31st. No father without medicine, without dictionaries, without reference texts full of once right answers slowly rotting themselves wrong. No mother without silk, without satin, without wool and cotton. No mother without a closet full of shoes, a hundred high heels spilled out into a trapped nest of spikes. No sister without a piano, without a bathrobe, without a chair, and mouthful of oranges. No self without these ghosts. No ghosts without... No ghosts except in things. They surround you, press closer, waiting for the rapidly approaching moment when you too will be just a thing, an object, a static entity slowly falling into decay. That moment is so close I can smell it, like the breath of the mice, like the rot of the orange peels, like the blood dried on the hallway carpet. Tuesday, the 32nd. I finally understand what needs to be done to bring an end to this gathering and piling and sorting. If only I had realized sooner then it would have been enough to stop all of this. Things could have been different. I could have left this house. I could have started over somewhere else but I was careless, and now it's too late. I wanted to leave after my sister passed, but instead, I've waited so long, it's too late to try and explain what I had planned to do with everything. I wanted to build a house inside our house, to build a structure capable of holding a family together. I want to tell her how close I was, how with just a little more help I could have solved this puzzle but wherever my sister is, she's quiet now, or else something worse. Something I don't want to think about. Surrounded by all our possessions, it is still so much lonelier than I expected. <laughs>